Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What is going on? What is up? It is your boy, Johnny Mags, back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am joined, as always, with Dan Garcia. And we are live here in the press box at San Manuel Stadium, home of the Inland Empire 66ers. Our last, uh, I guess, last road uh, podcast Podcast, until next year. Our last game here at Inland Empire. So we are at San Manuel Stadium in the press box. Uh, home of the Inland Empire 66ers, Class A affiliate of your Los Angeles Angels. So anyway, um, let's get into it. I mean, uh, we got, uh, if you guys follow us on the uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that, you see that we have an interview with uh, Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register. And Dan was able to get out here yesterday. Him and Chris were down here at Inland Empire, and uh, they were here for Matt Shoemaker's rehab start. So we have a couple of sound bites from there. Uh, Daniel was able to interview uh, Matt Shoemaker, but... Let's get into the weekend review, man. I mean, it's been a rough. I mean, it's it's just hasn't been, you know, uh, exactly what we expected it as far as the season is concerned. No, no, no. Uh, but this week was probably one of the roughest weeks podcast wise because the win loss record was pretty pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, there's always stuff that you can kind of look forward to, and we'll get to that kind of stuff like in the in the, in the email we got earlier today, but. Um, yeah, you know, you you still watch the games. You still want to see what's going on, especially when you have young kids out there like a Fletcher, like a like a Ward. You you kind of want to see how they're doing and, and how they're progressing, if they're progressing and all that stuff. So um, there's always kind of something to watch. But, yeah, um, the result-wise, not exactly what you were hoping for as an Angel fan. Yeah, I mean, that's the story of the season. So we'll get in we'll get in more in depth with other, all that other stuff. So let's let's get into it. Thursday, when we recorded, they had a day off. And it was two days yeah. off in this week, so that too kinda, made it kind of small, kinda really, quick, really short. Yeah. But they started the series against the Astros on the Friday, the twenty fourth, and the Angels just got, I mean, destroyed. I guess nine to three was the final. Andrew Heaney pitched six innings, eight hits, five earned runs, five Ks. Uh, biggest news here, I guess, was that Mike Trout returned. Yeah, um, Players Weekend. So Mike Trout returned from an injury and you know the family, bereavement. yeah, mm-hmm. bereavement, family death. And um, one of the cool things I thought about it was the fact when he did come back on the Friday game, he had you know a Cox, uh, a you know for Aaron. for Aaron Cox, mm-hmm. his uh, brother-in-law that recently passed away. So that was um, a good little you know subtle kind of I'm, we're thinking of you kind of deal and it was really cool for him to come out and and he didn't waste any time either it was one of those things where first at bat boom hits a triple yeah. so i'm sure that meant a lot to him to get all that kind of pressure off and get back to playing baseball and doing it something you know a triple doesn't exactly happen every at bat so something like that worked out really well yeah and the other thing to me i think that this Heaney just continues to struggle i mean i don't i don't know if he's just 
kind of hit a wall this year. It might be. I, I mean, know. I'm sure there's, 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 yeah, I, he's always been kind of up and down this whole year, and you've seen it throughout the year. When he's on, he's on, and then when he's off, he, it's hard to find a reason why he's off. Yeah. Um, usually it's home and road splits, and this time it was home. So you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe he'll get a good outing. But like you said before, uh, six innings, five runs, gives up two long balls. Not exactly what you're looking for against the series against the Astros where they're getting healthy now, and now they have something to play for because the A is right behind them. Yeah, they got Altuve back, so that's always good. Uh, speaking of Altuve, we'll head into Saturday's game. Uh, the Angels lost again, this time 8-3. to three, uh, Behind Jaime Berea only pitched three innings, uh, five hits, four and runs, two walks. The Astros jumped out early, took the lead. Berea, again, another guy that continues to kind of struggle. That could be definitely him hitting the wall. Yeah, Yeah. that's going to be something where he's not used to pitching this much for the season. I mean, he's learning, though. Yeah, he's learning. He's going to have to learn to work through it. He's going to have to learn to kind of push himself to those limits. So next year when he feels this way again, he knows a better way of of handling it and how to respond to it. So um, that's one of the things, too, about this part of the season when you're out of it. Now it's up to you to see how these younger players respond to, um, you know, not having their best stuff. You know, giving maybe a couple early home runs or a couple early uh, hard hit balls and how they respond. Yeah. So in this game, Otani actually took Justin Verlander deep. Uh, that was a. Gr- I mean, Otani continues to impress me at the yeah. plate. That's, I didn't expect this much would, from him. That was his 14th home. And I remember all the time too that, that yeah. he missed. So um, this is his 14th home run. Uh, it just seems like when he came back from his injury, he didn't miss a stride defense or offensively. So um, it's definitely good to see that kind of pop in the lineup, and, and hopefully uh, we'll get to it later. But with the Albert with the Albert injury, he can be the full time DH. And you know the thing that I've noticed about Otani is that his home runs having all you know he's a left handed power bat. You would think he'd pull the ball. He goes with the pitch, goes up the middle, right. goes up very, the center field, very center smart field. hitter. He doesn't try to pull everything and yeah. try to. Um, you know, crank it down the line. He if it if it if the best thing to do is go with it, like you said, he he's going to do it, and he has a swing for it too. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I take from this was that in the game, uh, Justin Anderson beamed uh, Altuve. Yeah, accidentally. that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I was there. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, they're down. Oh, he's uh, up. Oh, two in the line in the 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 count, and then he hits him in the elbow, hits him square on the elbow, and Altuve yeah, just got back bad. got back just from an injury, so I'm sure there was a little bit of that going on where um, he, we just got him back, and now we might lose him again kind of deal. But, yeah, very incidental. Um, you know, then the next inning, Otani's up to bat. He gets hit. He gets hit. And it's weird. I don't know if you watched the game, but the replay, like, it almost looked like he thought it was going one way, and so he kind of he like, he pushed his his butt, his butt, his butt out, and yeah. that's kind of – it put it, like, into the path of the ball. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking it's, it was more of, like, I wasn't planning to hit him. I was planning throw to throw behind right him. behind him yeah. let him know, like, you know, what's up. But I ended up hitting him. At that point, both, both sides were warned. And then Deck McGuire comes in. And throws a ball, obviously gets away because it's down by his feet. I think it might have actually hit, you know, almost hit the ground first. And then now he gets tossed. Sosha comes out. He gets tossed, you know. Um, very interesting kind of back and forth. Yeah. Not really, not really. I wouldn't say, oh, message sent kind of deal. It was more like, oh, we you got three balls that got away from three different pitchers more than anything else. So. Right, right. Yeah, it is what it is. That was interesting enough. So Angels yeah. lost 8-3. to three. Heading into Sunday's finale against the Astros. This game, and I, I wrote down here, Angels lost 3-1. to one. I wrote down here, boring game. <laughs> Pena threw six innings, gave up three hits, five hits, five Ks. He pitched well. 
There was just no offense. The Angels got swept. That's right. plain and simple. That's just, yeah. what happened. Yeah, uh, there's just no offense in this game. Yes. You know, you said six innings, three runs. I think those three runs were fairly early in the game. But, you know, when you only have one run for the Angels over four hits, you're not exactly um, going to win a whole lot of games. Um, you know, you will, it's Houston, like we said before. They, they got something to play for now. Like before, maybe earlier in the season, they can kind of take a series or two off because they knew that's such a big lead. But mm-hmm. now – um, being where they're at in the standings and Oakland being literally right behind them, uh, they have to take every game seriously if they want to get that division and not have to settle for a one-game playoffs where, you know, in one-game playoffs, anything can happen. And I'm sure the Astros will want to put themselves in that situation. Yeah, for sure. So Angels got swept by the Astros, kind of almost as probably we kind of all expected. The Astros are who they are. And they, right away they jumped into a series against the Rockies in Anaheim. And this game was a, uh, I guess, a slugfest. The Angels won 10-7. to Despagne got the start. Um, the big notes here for me were three-run home runs by Otani and a home run by Trout, his 31st of the year. The Angels, you know, scored five runs in the eighth to pull ahead for good after blowing a 5-2 lead in the eighth. It was cool to see them kind of come back. Yeah, you give uh, you, and, and Jim Johnson gives up the grand slam, but he was put in a crap situation to begin yeah, with. He comes, get him out. He, he comes in. Well, I think it was one out. Bases loaded. Hey. Here you go. Yeah. Do it. And it's like, oh. And then when you hit that Grand Slam, I'm like, that sucks. The only thing people are going to see is like, oh, look at Jim Johnson giving up a Grand Slam. I'm like, no, you know, like only technically one of those are going to be charged to him, right. the guy that actually hit the ball. So, but yeah, you're like you said, it was great to see them come out and have a, a, a really big uh, bottom of the eighth inning where they scored five runs. So the guy that gives up the Grand Slam and, and blows, you know, the save also comes over and, and gets, gets, the gets the win. Yeah. So that's always a good th- good thing. So they won 10 to 7, and I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, big clutch here, there by Eric Young Jr. Yeah, Eric Young Jr. came yeah. up clutch for in that inning, definitely. So uh, moving on to Tuesday's game, this was a close game. Uh, Angels lose this one 3 to 2 against the Rockies. Noe Ramirez becomes the first player in Major League history to make his first start after um, getting his first career save right. the night before. So that was kind of interesting because I was watching the game, and then, you know, the game happened. I turned the TV off and kind of. Um, settling down and stuff like that, and then I get an update on my phone saying, oh, yeah, by the way, Noe is going to be the starting pitcher for the next day. And then you're kind of thinking, all right, well, I guess if he has a hot hand, let it go. But then that kind of went away real quick. Yeah, Ramirez got the start, so quote-unquote bullpen game. Or as the the Rays don't call it a starting pitcher, they call it a um, beginning pitcher or something like that. They don't use the term starter. Yeah, uh, Rockies jumped ahead early 2 nothing, and that was pretty much it. They don't look back. I think uh, Cargo started off the game with a home run in the first two-run shot. Um, they added one more later. Uh, Angels, uh, they only scored two runs on six hits. Yeah, again, offensively just struggling. Um, the good news is that we're recording this Thursday afternoon, so uh, Upton is back in the lineup. So now you have Upton, now you have Otani, now you have um, – you have Trout, so now that your three best hitters are now in the lineup, hopefully for the rest of the season, and you can kind of get a glimpse, perhaps, of what's going to come in, in next season and and hopefully beyond. But um, yeah, without without Upton, I think you really felt it um, these last handful of games without Upton, without that kind of power threat in the lineup, especially when Otani wasn't wasn't in there and, and Albert was playing uh, or was at DH and Trout wasn't around. So. And Trout, yeah, yeah. All right, so that pretty much wrapped it up. Uh, this week in review, the Angels only had one W. Yeah, so. that hurts. That hurts. One and four. Now, again, as we record this, the game's going on right now in Houston, but uh, they are 64 and 69. Ugh. And, you know, it's funny when you say that. Um, we go, ugh. Uh, last year, we were pretty much the same team. You know? I mean, yeah, yeah. Three, I, four games under. Yeah, you know? I, th- I, 
and that's the that's the bad part about it too. You kind of wish it, you you would gradually grow a little bit, but you know, uh, coming into the season, there's a lot of hype going on. But injuries play a toll on every team. Um, you know, you just kind of hope it stays away from your best players. And 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 Angels weren't that lucky. I mean, you had uh, Trout out for a period of time. You had all the had all the pitchers go down for a period of time. You had you know bullpen guys go down. So um, injuries are the are the big uh, equalizer when it comes to sports you know no matter how good your team is you get the right or the wrong injuries you're going to be just as good as the next team and, and there's nothing you can do about it yeah absolutely so with that being said let's get into some news and notes here uh i guess some pretty big news is uh well let's start off with the uh, the minor leagues real quick uh jamai jones you talked about that yeah right um Earlier today, they came out with the rosters for the Arizona Fall League, and these are a lot of your top prospects going um, to play in Arizona. So all the like the uh, spring training facilities that people see, like if you guys go to spring training, all those same facilities are being used by these guys. Um, every team sends a handful of guys, so the Angels have five representatives this year, and the guy that is highest ranked there is is Jemai Jones, and we've had the pleasure of talking with him a couple times here at Inland Empire, and then eventually he got called up to uh, the Bay Bears in Double A. So. Um, Good, good chance for him to get a lot of experience, get some more at bats up there against quality pitchers that are that aren't just guys that are just filling out a roster, but guys that other teams are looking for um, to make a big impact in Major League Baseball down the road. Yeah, that's big news. Uh, a, a little side note too: another guy that the Angels who's uh, in the uh, Angels system, uh, first round pick this year, Jordan Adams, had a collision uh, with a. During, I don't know if it was during a game or practice, but he actually broke his jaw oh, and had his wire, wires, mouth wired shut. shut. So he's done for the year. Yeah. But, again, their year wasn't really – No, uh, short season. Yeah, short season. So it was pretty much over as – you know, but he was in Anaheim. He was uh, working out in Anaheim and stuff like that. So it didn't seem anything major. Yeah. I believe in the next couple of weeks he's there to take, the, take it out, so the wire. So it wasn't anything that's going to hinder him from coming – um, into spring training full go and hopefully be able to uh, see him on the minor league fields. Uh, we all make a trip because oh, yeah. spring training uh, schedule did come out this week. I, I so that, that that's something we're going to have to sit down and yeah. try to figure out as a group. And We all need to go at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and try year. to figure out, uh, do a podcast from On yeah. the Road in Tempe. Whether, uh, that, that'll work, man. You know. Down for that. Okay, yeah. so moving on. Uh, big news, I guess. Uh, broke yesterday or earlier today uh albert pujols is off for the rest of the season had a a procedure done on his knee right yeah his left knee uh surgery was wednesday uh timetable for normal timetable is six to eight weeks so um definitely done for the year they put him on the 10-day dl today um before the game but yeah he's definitely done uh for the year and now this brings up a bunch of questions now what do the angels do moving forward um, he's 38. He's owed something like 87 million dollars for the rest of the, his contract. So, as Angels, what do they do? So, uh, they talked about it a little bit on uh, this morning on the uh, Baseball Tonight podcast on ESPN. This will be Buster Olney and uh, Keith Law talking about Pujols and what possibly could happen moving forward and what they think should happen moving forward. Mark Pujols is having surgery or he had surgery, uh, mm-hmm. this will effectively end his season. He's 38 years old. Uh, he finishes 2018 with a 289 on base percentage, 19 homers, a 700 OPS. Keith, he has $87 million left on his contract for the next three years. I do think, now that Albert's 38, then you know that there's not a lot of hope that he's going to get better. That it is, The Angels have now reached that point where they should sit down this offseason, have a conversation with him, about, you know what, Albert, we don't know what's going to happen moving forward. We'll evaluate you in spring training, and then we'll all make a decision about what's going to happen moving forward. 
uh, because this is such a critical time for the Angels. Not only are they trying to win and get back to being a competitive organization, they're rebuilding their farm system. They got some momentum going on with different things. They got, uh, you know, Shohei Otani. They have two years left with Mike Trout, and they're essentially auditioning for Trout as to whether or not he's going to resign with this team. And you can't have a first baseman with those type, that type of production. Uh, every year, 600 plate appearances for Albert Pools, and you're getting that type of performance from him. At some point, you have to have a conversation about just uh, eating the contract and moving forward. Yes, I think they. I actually think they reached the point where they should have done that after last season. Obviously, this is an ownership decision, right? This is not on Billy Epler. I'm sure if Billy Epler were given free reign, he would just release the player at this point, especially because Pujols has hit some of those milestones he was very close to after last season. Well, now he's reached those, and I think it would be uh, – if they had done something after last season, it might have been seen as – uh, disrespectful to Pujols and to his legacy and maybe depriving Angels fans of watching him hit a milestone. Uh, we're past that point, and he's terrible. He is simply terrible at this point. That's two straight seasons of an on-base percentage under 290. So 600 plate appearances, we're talking about 430, 440 outs that he's making every year. And that's before even considering all the double plays he hits into, the zero to negative value he provides on the bases, the lack of any defensive value whatsoever at this point because he's so old and because his body has broken down on him we can this does not affect his legacy as a player he's at i just looked on baseball reference he's at 99.9 career war i think he's good i think we're we the hall of fame discussion is over at this point uh but so is his career he there's zero reason no rational reason whatsoever from a statistical or scouting perspective to expect any kind of above replacement level production from Pujols going forward and you he said the most important variable here, they have two years left with Mike Trout. They have to absolutely go all in at this point with Trout. If they're not going to trade Trout, which has obviously never, never been on the table for them, they must try to field the best possible team around him for the next two seasons. And the first thing to do that is to get rid of Pujols because he's the worst player on the team. And every time he's in the lineup, he makes them worse. And here's another consideration for the Angels as they move forward. Look, Mike Sosha has denied that uh, he's made the decision of whether or not he's going to manage in 2019. He's <laughs> not going to manage the Angels in 2019. I fully <laughs> expect that he will he will move forward and they will have a new manager in, whether that's an Eric Chavez or a Brad Osmus. What a brutal situation for a rookie manager like Eric Chavez to have mm-hmm. to deal with the end of Albert Pujols' career. It, and this isn't a perfect comp, but you remember when Tony La Russa went to the Cardinals and took over that team, he had an aging future Hall of Famer in Ozzie Smith, a very respected player. Mm-hmm. And Tony La Russa had to be the guy, had to be the bad guy and yes. say, uh, look, Ozzie, we're, we're better off if you're not on the team. Uh, we're better off if you're not in the lineup. It led to a lot of bad feelings. He was away from the organization for a lot of years. I think they would be doing Eric Chavez a great service if they were to deal with this before first. he were to manage his first game, uh, you know, before he went to spring training, quite frankly. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's, like I said, there's nothing left. There's no value left. Pujols is just like a pile of ash at this point. They're just clean it up before whoever the new manager is arrives because you also don't want, you don't want any overlap at all. Never mind the fact, no one's going to associate Chavez. No one's going to look at Chavez and say, what did you think about the decision? Obviously, the decision on pools, on accepting that the contract is a sunk cost and there's no production left, 
that's way over the manager's head. But what you want to do if you're the angels, ideally, is clean all of that, what did I say, the ash, clean all that ash up. Before he comes in, you've swept it clean now, and you bring in the new manager, and he doesn't even have to deal with the questions. He doesn't have to deal with the conflict, and they can go find another first base. That's the easiest. We saw last winter. That's a position where there are more potential players than there are landing spots for them. They can find someone better, then, and the new manager can be part of the decision to figure out, all right, who do we want to bring in to take that spot? So you leave, you give him a clean slate and let him help make a fairly important decision while the controversial part is already taken care of. That's a lot to think about, man. We were kind of talking off mic here as I was playing. There's just options, you know, it's it sounds harsh, but it's it's real. Like, you know, like I just mentioned to you, Dan, like if Fice comes in a spring training hot and comes out of spring training hot, why not? You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, you have, a, like you said, a lot of options to... Free agency. Even. Yeah, free agency. Um, but I like the point they were talking about. I guess my favorite point was that if you are going to go in a new direction where you have a man, new manager, you don't want that new manager coming in and having to deal with, okay, I have this aging superstar. Um, how do I how do I play him? Do I play him what he wants, what I want? Do I sit him down and say, hey, this isn't working? I'm a first-time manager. You know, There's going to be a lot of pressure on him and how to manage that. So if you get rid of him... Or if you were able to talk him into retiring and maybe instead of you giving him $87 million, maybe you kind of shake your hand and give him something around 70 you know, whatever, um, that can be very productive for the Angels not only moving forward but definitely in the near future. Yeah, man. So, yeah, like I said, it's, it's something they definitely, I guess, they should be thinking about right. now and uh, moving forward. It's something that's going to have to happen, you know. Um, the guy's getting older. He's going to get injured. Um, it's not going to get any better. Right, you know, no. Just be not. honest with, yeah. with everything. You know, It's cool to see all these milestones happen. But but like they said, those are milestones are done. Yeah, so now it. why are you kind of yeah. holding them around? That's but yeah. it. So anyway, moving forward from that, I was talking about injuries. Uh, Some good news. Yeah, the Angels have been riddled with injuries. You know, We've had you know, pretty much a whole pitching staff go down at some point this season. But uh, one of the Definitely guys who – feels like it. Yeah. One of the guys who we've all – I mean, I know I can't speak for Dan, but – a lot of Angel fans, fan favorite. Matt Shoemaker, great guy. Uh, always wanted to see him succeed. Um, it, just, it feels like Matt Shoemaker's just had a little string of bad luck here, but he had a rehab start here last night at Inland Empire. And Dan and Chris were here to, be, were here to see it. Dan, you want to talk about uh, what you had the opportunity to do? Yeah, so we were able to talk with Shoemaker a little bit afterwards. And so we got a little, some uh, sound clips. And then if you listened or if you followed us on Twitter or on Instagram, you probably seen, heard a couple of them. But. Um, you know, the first question that was, was asked uh, is, like, how do you feel tonight, like, af- after the game? Yeah, you know, overall felt really good. Um, physically felt good. Uh, maybe it was battling a few things mechanically, but sometimes that happens. It just works through it. And kind of the natural follow-up to that question, you know, was um, how was your control overall for uh, last night's game? Uh, overall pretty good. I mean, fastball wasn't where I wanted, but the other pitches were pretty good. And then, of course, what's the hardest thing coming off the DL and, and dealing with being on there for such a long time? Uh, just not being able to play. I mean, you never want to get injured. Things happen. you got to stay positive and work through it. Um, but I'd say definitely the toughest thing is not being out there with your team competing and, you know, trying to win. And then I came in. That was uh, – there was more than one of us there, so we're kind of bouncing back and forth. So this is, uh, I guess, my section or my opportunity to ask him some questions. So here we go. Uh, first question, how are you feeling right now um, after not pitching since March? Yeah, you know, overall, uh, like I said, pretty good. Um, it's, 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 it's good to get back into game mode. You know what I mean? Facing hitters, kind of getting the blood flow. 
Um, and I think part of that today was you know, was one really good, but two, like I said, I was good, maybe maybe a little amped up just to finally get back into a game, get under the lights, um, and just mechanically just got to put a few things together. Six strikeouts today, really good outing. Um, what pitch did you feel was really working for you or you had a best feel for? That was my slider and split. Um, I was using those quite a bit. And, um, like I said, because sometimes a f- fastball was in there and sometimes it was missing. So, um, Next step for you, uh, when you kind of get reevaluated, um, you know, what, what your, what's your time frame, you think? Honestly, do not know. All I knew was uh, I had a rehab start today, and then I'll find out more info tomorrow. All right, cool. Thank you very much. Oh. Got it, guys. Always good uh, to hear that you're feeling good after not pitching for so long. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, Shu is a, could be a valuable guy in the rotation. Definitely, yeah. Um, especially now when rosters expand, so you're not going to necessarily take a spot out of, away from a guy. Uh, once rosters expand in the next couple of days, I hope to see him out there. See, Because, again, uh, Illinois Empire is done after this weekend. So the opportunity of him having another rehab start is not going to happen. So, um, you know, if he can get in and, and get maybe one or two uh, starts under his belt for this year and perhaps build something positive going into the next year, that it would be really, really awesome for Angel fans to see. And like you said, he's definitely a fan favorite. Yeah, get momentum going, and, and, and it would be great to see the beard out there once again on the hill for the Halos. All right, so it's about that time again. Are we Every Monday, as we said, or we do every, every show, Daniel throws up a poll question. What was the poll question this week, Daniel? Yeah, so again, our poll questions are, are on our Twitter feed at Halo underscore Haven. So definitely go out, check it out. Every Monday we post something about uh, something that's going on in baseball or just something that's going on with the Angels in general. But uh, this week's poll question was, moving forward, what would you want uh, rule change for the upcoming season? And your options were auto strikes, automatic strike zone, a pitch clock for pitchers, or universal DH. So... Um, Two of the answers were pretty close. Automatic strike zone was 48%, and universal DH was 46%, with pitch clock being only 6%. So um, I voted for the automatic strike zone. I think um, balls are going way too fast for, you know, a lot of times for the human eye to see. There's so much movement now on balls that it's hard for the human eye to see. If you can get something up there that, granted, it might not be 100% accurate as far as, oh, at the knees or at there, but at least. If they say three inches off the plate is a strike, at least you know you're going to get that three inches off the plate every single time and not, you know, um, umpire to umpire. It's going to be the same no matter what. It might be a little off, but it's going to be the same amount of off every time. I'm 100% in agreement with you on the automatic strike zone. If tennis could use it where oh, they yeah. they use the yep. uh-huh. in or out mark, yep. then why can't baseball go exactly. ahead and move forward yep. and do that? Um, so often, you know, you, you – People are getting mad at the umpire. Now you can't blame the umpire for that. Right. I mean, they'll still be back there. In, but, my, in my theory, foul ball, foul tips, foul tips like yeah. drop third strike, or something yeah. like that, check swings. Um, you know, So there's still a purpose. Play at the plate. Obviously, yeah. you're, you're going to need someone there. But the, the, the balls, hard, and strikes. balls and strikes is so hard now. I mean, before, when we kind of talked about it in a previous podcast, it was very rare you would see more than you know one or two dudes in the bullpen throwing 100. Now it seems like. You have three guys throwing 100, and the other you know, two are probably throwing 98. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's getting harder for these umpires to be able to tell what's a strike, what's the ball, with all the movement and all the speed now coming uh, from the mound. I, I agree. Yeah, I, just, uh, I would like to see more consistent strike zone. It's kind of dumb that a pitcher has to change the way he pitches because he has a certain umpire behind the plate. Right. And like I said, if, it, if, you know, if off the plate now becomes a strike, well, now at least the <clears throat> batters can now adjust to it and they know it's going to be a strike. So now, yeah, there might be that in-between time where they're getting used to it, but there will be a time where, like, okay, now I know this is going to be a strike every single time and now I can adjust it where, oh, you know, Monday and Tuesday was there and now all of a sudden it's Wednesday. 
why I'm not getting that call or that call is going the opposite way. Now you have to readjust yourself again. So at least um, if it's consistent, if it's automated, you can definitely um, adjust to it. Same thing can be said to the pitchers too, adjusting to a strike zone. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I totally agreement. The, the whole universal DH thing, I think it's I think it's pretty cool that you know an interleague play you could still go to a national league park and the American League pitcher has to pick up a bat. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I would want I, I would want it just because of the fact that um, now you are spending a lot of money now on these pitchers, and the last thing you want is a guy you know tweaking a bat, swinging because he doesn't do it all the time, swinging too hard, and now he's out for two weeks. So I can see the the that part like the. The part of him swinging a bat and trying to figure out if he's going to hit, it's cool. But the risk of him swinging, missing, and now I tweaked my back and I'm missing two starts. It's kind of like, do we really, did he really need to do that? So, yeah, yeah, I can see it go both ways on that one. All right. Sounds good. So, well, we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear word from our sponsors. When we come back, we have what we promised, an interview with Orange County Register's Jeff Fletcher. We'll hear you on the other side of the break. Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Now with us is OC Register's own Jeff Fletcher. Thank you for uh, taking time out and, and talking with Halo Haven. Sure, thanks for having me. Um, I guess one of the bigger questions coming out um, going into the offseason is going to be the future of Mike Sosha. Um, is there any new kind of developments from it, or is it kind of the same old, same old we've heard about him? I'm denying the reports that he might be stepping down at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think that we all sort of expect that he's probably not going to be the manager next year, uh, but there's no real definitive word uh, either way on it. But uh, I still think that's the expectation that uh, sometime, either right before or right after the season, that uh, that is going to happen. Yeah, um, and then so, you know, if the Angels do decide to go in a different direction from Mike Sosha, what kind of manager do you think they'll be looking for? Someone that's a veteran and been around a handful of years, or do you think the trend of young uh, managers will continue with the Angels? Uh, yeah, I, I would probably guess it's going to be somebody young and, and somebody that Billy Epler knows from uh, you know somewhere else. Uh, you know, I think Josh Paul is kind of the most logical uh, guess that people have because. Billy Epler had worked with him with the Yankees for a while, and he hired him to be the Angels' bench coach. He could have made Eric Chavez the bench coach, or could have made Brad Ausmus the bench coach, but he made Josh Paul the bench coach. So I think that is a pretty good indication that, uh, that Epler sees him as being a pretty strong uh, on-field candidate. 
Another big story this year with the Angels, and it seems like it's, it's been the story for the past couple of years, is the injuries to the pitching staff, but it's kind of all the way over the place. Is there, uh, do you see any kind of correlation with injuries and training staffs like around baseball, or is it this, this is kind of bad luck for the Angels? Well, first off, I would say there's, there's a lot of injuries associated with pitchers all around baseball, and I think that the, the Angels probably one of the main reasons that they've had some injury problems is goes back to them not having a very good farm system for all those years. So what that means is if you're not getting guys from your own farm system, you're having to take guys from other teams, and a lot of them are either old or they have some other problem with them that the other team was willing to let them go. So they've acquired a lot of guys that existing are problems. You know, J.C. Ramirez, Parker Bridwell, Blake Wood, all these guys uh, that came in with our problems, but the Angels got them for almost nothing. So they kind of took a chance on them, and, and they ended up getting hurt. So, uh, and then there's there's other guys, you know, not just to the pitchers, but you look at, you know, like Zach Cozart, uh, you know, Chris Young. These kind of guys get injured because they're, they're older players, which is what, you know, you have to go to when you're not producing for your pumps. Yeah, I, I don't know how much you see it maybe on your Twitter because I see you're very active on there. Um, a lot of fans feel that the Angels will know um, a little more than they're leading on when a player is injured. They'll say it's day-to-day, and the next thing you know, they're going on the DL for an extended period of time. Do you, as as a person from you know from uh, the media, do you feel the team needs to be completely transparent with that stuff, or them playing it close to the chest is kind of acceptable? Well, I think they're not going to tell us that somebody's going to go on the DL unless they're 100% sure that they are going to go on the DL. Even if they're 90% sure they're going to go on the DL, they don't want to say they are because they, you know, want to. They'd rather err on the side of, uh, you know, not saying you guys going to go on the DL. So I don't think that they're necessarily lying. I just think they're waiting until things are 100% before they're announcing it. Another another question that I get all the time too, or we get on all the time on on Twitter and all that stuff is um, the off season, especially now with the season kind of coming to an end. Um, what are some of the position targets you think the Angels will be going after um, uh, in, in the off season? Uh, well, I think they need some pitching. I think they're going to be looking at some starting pitching because they they do have a lot of guys with injury histories, and they they do need to kind of get some more stable healthier guys, uh, and I think they need another bat or two, either at second base, third base, first base catcher. Uh, it could really be a, a variety of positions because of the flexibility they have with the other guys, but they, they really don't have enough uh, quality major league hitters right now, so they need to, to bulk that up a little bit. Another thing going into the end part of this season, Shoei Atani um, continues to produce at, at the plate. Now, do you think if he's able to come back and pitch in maybe one or two games in the in September that that will help his uh, rookie of the year, or do you think he can do it um, just by batting alone? Uh, if he doesn't come back and pitch, I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year. And even if he does come back and pitch, it's going to be hard because I think a lot of the people sort of forgot about what a great story it was when he, when he stopped pitching. And, and obviously, as a hitter alone, he's not quite to the caliber to win that award, but uh, you know, I think if he comes back and pitches and has, a, has some good games, it'll kind of remind people of how exceptional he's been. And, you know, he, he started nine games already. Even if he ends up just starting 12 games, that's pretty good for a guy who's also a middle-of-the-order hitter. I know it's 12 more than anybody else has started. So I think that should carry some weight, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see how, how it does. 
Um, with everything going on in the Angels organization, if Sosha does step down or step away from coaching in general, do you think at this point he is a Hall of Fame manager? Uh, that's a tough one. I really don't know what a Hall of Fame manager is because there's, you know, with players we have all kinds of statistics to measure their exact performance, but managers, it's much more difficult because the players are the ones that win and lose the games, and it's hard to, to know how much credit to give the manager. He's certainly in the discussion. Uh, and it, it also depends what he does after the Angels, if he manages anywhere else. Uh, I would say right now he's, he's in the discussion, at least. That's the, the most I can give him. Okay. Um, another thing, too, we, we like to know the people we interview a little bit more, so we ask some stuff about them. When it comes to your off season, when the season's over, are you do you do you follow other sports? How do you get you know how do you spend your off seasons? Uh, mostly just trying to relax. I still there's still a lot of baseball stuff to do. I don't really write about any other sports. I just cover the Angels even though it's the off season. But I do take some time off and spend some time with my family and uh, catch up on all the things I miss during the season. But uh, professionally, it's still pretty much baseball year round. Any any particular? You, are you a Netflix person? Are you a book person? What kind of stuff do you catch up on in the off season? Oh, I do. I, I like some Netflix stuff, and I usually will uh, find a book to read in the off season, which I, I don't really read as much during the season. But uh, you know, and I have all kinds of. I try to catch up on my uh, physical fitness, which just, <laughs> uh, doesn't do very well yeah. during the season. I usually have to lose about fifteen pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the travel schedule doesn't help that at all. Um, you know, for the schedule just came out last week. For any Angel fans that are looking to maybe travel somewhere and see the Angels play in a ball in a visiting ballpark, with your experiences, what kind of what ballpark would you recommend? Uh, well, Seattle is one of my favorites. I think it's a great city and it's a great ballpark. And the Angels obviously go there three times a year, so there's plenty of opportunities. And I, I believe the Angels go there all three times on a weekend next year, or two of the three maybe. Yeah, but, I think uh, Seattle is, is a great place, and. Uh, I also really like Minnesota, uh, which is, I think, an underrated place. Uh, I don't remember if they're going there in the summer, which you probably don't want to go if it's like in April. <laughs> like the Kansas City uh, game earlier this year? Yeah, but if they're going there in June or July, it's, it's usually really nice. It's, it's a beautiful place. You know, you being around big names like Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, you know, Garrett Richards all the time, has there been a, a point where you see someone, maybe outside of baseball, that's just there to see the game where you're kind of um, starstruck at all? Really, I mean, you kind of just get used to the just being regular people, and you know, I'll be out a lot of times, like in spring training, and then you go because there's so many teams that have spring training in Arizona, so you go out to dinner and just randomly, it's like, oh, there's Matt Kemp at the <laughs> table next to me. You know, you just you know, they're just regular guys, so you try not to, uh, to look at them as anything other than. Him. At, at what point were you? Did you realize that baseball is the sport? you wanted to cover? Was it something that you wanted to do or something that maybe the OC register or previous employers said, you know, go ahead and do baseball? Uh, no, I was about 13 or 14 years old and I was just always a big baseball fan and I, once I realized that there are people that make a job out of going to baseball games and watching them and writing about them and I was a pretty good writer and I said, hey, that'd be a pretty fun job to have and I've pretty much been pursuing it ever since and uh, it's now 22 years I've been uh, covering baseball. Wow, that's awesome. That's I, and, I, and I, we talked to uh, uh, Trent Rush uh, like a couple of months back, and I personally think you guys um, have one of the coolest jobs out there. Kind of like what you're saying, you get to follow around a team, you get to you know be part of the game every single day, and you get to get paid for it. I think that's absolutely awesome. 
Um, you know, with that, we know you're busy. You have a game going on today as we record this or coming up. So um, I just want to thank you for your time. And, and uh, if you want to put out your Twitter or anything else out there for the people to uh, follow you at, go ahead. It's uh, Jeff Fletcher, OCR. And I'll tell everybody that uh, if you, you get to a limit on uh, you, the OCR stories, you can read for free. And it doesn't cost very much to subscribe. So I would encourage everybody to spend a little bit of their extra money and subscribe. And so it's all Yeah, definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. If you guys aren't following him on Twitter, do it now. If you're not, me personally, if I am uh, notified every single time you tweet something because you always come out with great angels information. So definitely do that. Um, thank you again, Jeff, for your time. And, uh, you know, have a great rest of the year. All right. Thanks a lot. I'm Tory Hunter Jr., and you're listening to the All Angels Podcast. So that was uh, our interview with um, Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register. I want to thank him for taking the time. I know he's a busy guy. Yeah, especially when we got him right before game time. So he had a little bit of things going on. So it was great just to be able to get, you know, uh, 10 minutes of his time and, and, and listen to him talk about Angels baseball and where he thinks it's going to be moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting to hear everyone's kind of um, – Manager, th- yeah, theory. just their theories on where where they're going to go from here. And, you know, right. we, like you said, we've heard from Trent Rush, we've heard from Gooby, Jose Moda, um, you know, and and now uh, Fletch here. Um, it's just interesting. It's really interesting to see. You know, there's there. I mean, this off season, and I think we, it was in an email earlier. This off season is going to be, it's going to be uh, interesting. interesting for sure. Right, definitely, interesting definitely interesting uh, off season coming up uh, in the future. All right, so it is about that time. It is everyone's favorite segment of the show. It is a segment that takes you back in time and puts you in that time machine. It is a segment that we all known to known are known to love, uh, known as the Curator's Chronicle. It's another edition of the Curator's Chronicles coming to you live from San Manuel Stadium. It it is a beautiful day for a ball game. Temperatures are actually cooling off a little bit. Daniel and I were actually here, uh, I want to say about a month ago, and it was like probably 110. Down the dugout, it was probably like 120. So it is a beautiful day for a ball game. And it's also a beautiful day for another This Day in Angels history. uh, Coming from a book called Angels Journal by John Snyder. We take you all the way back to the beautiful year of 1960. 64, and this is actually a momentous day in Angel history as this day, actually August 31st, 1964, we have some groundbreaking going on. Uh, groundbreaking ceremonies take place at Anaheim Stadium. The first spades were turned over by Anaheim Mayor Chuck Chandler and Angels owner Gene Autry. Los Angeles Mayor Sam Yorty was also on hand. Along with bands, balloons, and all of the Disney characters, including Mickey Mouse. So this whole connection to Mickey Mouse goes all the way back to the early 60s. And uh, the Angels have really never were able to kind of shake off that connection. Uh, we talked about the Periwinkle years. About uh, I remember Tim Salmon talking about how Mickey Mouse signs his paycheck. Uh, he's kind of joking about all that. <laughs> and uh, if you're a professional ball player going around and uh, you kind of get razzed by that a little bit, I would have to say, especially during the Periwinkle years when you were in those goofy uniforms, no pun intended. But um, we talked to Tom about this, Tom Duino on a, on a podcast, Tom being the major collector that he is. I think we were talking about like what's what's one thing that have you found that just like wow that holy grail item, 
And I wouldn't it be cool to find one of those shovels or how they call them spades that did the groundbreaking? Absolutely. Yeah, especially a lot, a lot of times like the shovels will have something engraved in them, uh, you know, groundbreaking ceremony, Anaheim Stadium. Pretty sure they're out there somewhere. Um, that'd be cool. And if you guys have seen that kind of iconic um, billboard that announced the opening of Anaheim Stadium coming soon, it's in a big, you know, kind of orange grove. It's all flattened out. So construction site. So we found that that'd be pretty dang cool. But groundbreaking ceremony. We usually post a picture right around Labor Day of this uh, groundbreaking ceremony. Gene Autry. It's kind of weird. The mayor of Los Angeles was there. Um, That kind of little foreshadowing uh, for things to come. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, but I thought that's kind of in- interesting. Um, but groundbreaking ceremonies are pretty dang cool, and uh, this day in Angels history. So, John, do you have anything to say about that? I actually do. That that was brought up to us in a uh, Tom Duino had when we interviewed Tom Duino. He asked me, or he asked us, what's the one thing that you guys is so absurdly. Uh, just absurd that you want a piece of angels history that you want a piece of angels memorabilia that you want. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what you said that you wanted, but he looked over at me and then asked me and I said, well, the sign that was out in front of, you know, where the stadium sits now that says soon to come Anaheim stadium. And he was, he was kind of like, man, that'd be crazy to find who has that in their backyard. You think it's still around or you think it's just been demolished? Oh, it's out there. We're going to find it. Even if I have to remake it, we'll remake it. So, but either. that's Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Ground, groundbreaking ceremony of what, what now is probably the third oldest stadium in Major League Baseball. So, that's Yeah, uh, I think it might be the third or fourth. Yeah. I think it's the fourth. Fourth. Because Dodger Stadium, Wrigley, and, and Boston. Yeah, so it's a fourth. Fourth, fourth oldest stadium in, in uh, Major League Baseball. So, well, that's going to wrap it up. That was another edition of the Curators Chronicles. <laughs> All right, so last podcast, we talked about how uh, uh, we had an email question from Lamar, and he said, well, when are you guys going to do an all-time team? So we came up with the idea. Daniel, Actually, Daniel said, Daniel and Chris, I think, talking about, hey, let's make a team, an all-time team, with guys that you know were homegrown talent, you know, uh, came in through the Angels Farm System. And then Daniel kind of put more of a, a, a kind of like a, like a rules on it. Stipulations, yeah, I guess. Where at least they had to play at least two years with the in, in the system. If and, not drafted. Or if not drafted, play at least two years to the minor league system. So let's start it off. Let's let's start from left field, and then we'll move our way. Actually, right field, center, left, third, short, all that stuff. And I got a feeling our, a lot of ours are going to match up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so I mean, especially on this one. So we'll go right field first, like you said. And I picked Tim Salmon. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Kingfish. Um, drafted in the third round in 1989. Made his debut with the Angels in August 21st. Uh, 1992 at the age of 23 years old. For his, hit his first home run at Yankee Stadium off Scott Sanderson. Won 1993 Rookie of the Year with 31 home runs, 95 RBIs, batting 295. So, first ever Angels Rookie of the Year. Yeah, so obviously that was kind of a uh, no-brainer. no-brainer. Center field. Okay, so here's center field. Now, who'd you go with? I went with Trout. Okay, I didn't pick Trout because I thought it was just too easy. Obviously, Trout. It's Ooh. Obviously, it's Trout. I'm not even... So, my second guy was... I'm going to say Jim Edmonds. Right. He was one of the guys I was looking yeah. at, too. Um, but, yeah, I went with Trout. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. no-brainer. First-round pick, 25th pick overall. First-round pick, 20, 25th pick overall in 09. 
um, made his debut on July 8th, 2011 as a 19-year-old. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Left field, who did you go with? I went with GA. Again, yeah. a, lot these, yeah. a lot of these guys yeah. are going to be, um, I guess, looked for an all-time team. But it's pretty cool when I was looking it up that a lot of these guys from the all-time team are also guys that the, they drafted. So, yeah. um, GA drafted in the fourth round in 1990, made his debut on July 27th, 94. Uh, at 22 years old, so again, a guy that was uh, drafted and came up with the Angels. It's, it's pretty cool that one of their all-time great. He got snubbed. Guys. He got snubbed for 1995 Rookie of the Year by freaking Marty Cordova. Chipper Jones won it in uh, NL. NL, but that was in '93. Right? No, '94, something like that. Anyway, all right. So third base, and here's where it got tricky because yeah. I picked a DH. Oh, Did that's you get a, a DH? I didn't do a DH. Okay, so for third base, I picked Sean Figgins. He didn't get drafted by the Angels, but played minor league baseball, yeah, played a he couple was, seasons. Yeah, he was able to develop, yeah. And develop through the Angels system. He got drafted by the Colorado Rockies, and his name is actually Desmond Deshaun Figgins. Huh. So I picked Figgins, not Gloss. See, that's why I picked Gloss. Gloss. I mean, third base, going back at it, there's not a lot of good third basemen where they've, like I said, been through the system. Not Brandon Wood? Yeah, yeah, he was a close third. Dallas McPherson. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I went to loss. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of these guys too had kind of sentimental value, I guess, for uh, me. Yeah. Um, you know, drafted uh, in the first round, third overall in '97. UCLA. Um, yep, UCLA debuted in July 31st, 1998, at 21 years old. Yep. Actually, wore the number 14 when he first came up. Yep. Uh, shortstop. This is a, this was a tough one. Yeah, I went old school on this oh, yeah. one. Yeah, you, you I, almost I, had to, right? Yeah, yeah, I went old school on this because I didn't want everything to be like, oh, it's the exact same list as your yeah. uh, all-time team. I went Jim Fergosi. That's a great pick. Um, that's a great pick. I picked J- uh, Dick Schofield okay. because I watched Dick Schofield as a kid. I remember he came back uh, in late mid-'90s. He came back for another run with the Angels, and uh, he's a guy I remember there in 86, uh, in the 86 team when I was a little kid, so – I picked Dick Schofield. Yeah, it's, the, the Fergozzi one is kind of interesting too because the whole we're talking about getting drafted. Technically, he was drafted by by the Boston, Boston and then the Angels got him that same year in the expansion, expansion draft. draft. So he yeah. so he so he got drafted in a way. Yeah. Never played with Boston, but yeah, he got yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then he made his debut in 1961 as a 19 year old. Yep, never never looked back. He was nope. the first Angel superstar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, second base. This was tough. Yeah, I went. I went Howie. Me too. I, I went Howie. It's Me hard. Too. I mean, um, yeah. And you, you. I'm not a Howie fan, but, but if you look when you back, got it, and you, I mean, and the two is the hard part is trying to find guys that yeah. have been developed through for the Angels. Just, Bobby Gritch yeah. was a Baltimore Ex- Oriole. Yeah, exactly. Because he was yeah. the first name I thought of. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's right. But he's Adam Kennedy was a St. Louis Cardinal. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, I had to pick Howie. Howie, tenth pick, uh, tenth round. Sorry, and O two they made his debut uh, April twenty sixth. 2006 at 22 years old. First base, I'm going to catch some heat from some old-time Angels fans, but I never was a huge fan of this guy per se. I mean, I was a fan of him because he was on the Angels, but I was never a huge fan of this guy, so I didn't pick him. I picked that first base, Darren Erstad. Okay, he, I was thinking about him, but then in my head, again, I'm thinking, ah, oh, it's too much like my all-baseball team, so yeah. I went with... Wally Joyner. And that's so, who I didn't pick. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like a carbon copy. and be like, oh, cut and paste. But no, I went Wally Joyner. Okay. Um, 
drafted by the Angels third round, 1983, made his debut in 1986 as 23-year-old. So, um, first ever rookie to make a start as a starting first baseman in the American League yeah. All-Star team. And then who could forget Wally's World? Yeah. Uh, the, took, yeah. The, took the nation by storm. I was storm, trying to be different. California by storm. Uh, I picked a DH and I picked Tori Gloss. Okay. That would have been, I mean, that would have been easy too. Yeah, I can see where you could put Figgins mm-hmm. at third and then Gloss yeah. at, at, at DH, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, pitcher? Pitcher? Are we going to go catcher? Oh, catcher, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I must say. Um, Benji? Benji, right, yeah, I mean, Benji defensively, yeah. defensively, he's still, you know, uh, again, drafted. You know, uh, Boone, Brett Boone might be one of the top catchers Angels have ever had. Bob but, Boone. Bob Boone, sorry, Bob Boone. Um, but he was not, wasn't, didn't start with an Angel. Phillies. Yep, yeah. and so he, and then later on came with, and he had really good years with the Angels, but like, like we said, he had to be drafted or developed by the Angels. Yeah. So, and Benji came through the system, right. won a world championship, and he says to this day, the best moment of his life was winning the World Series with the, with the Angels in 2000. Right. Oh, yeah. And made his debut. See, uh, and with these Latin players, he was never drafted, but he was signed as a 19-year-old free agent. Yeah. So, and he made his debut, um, but like five years later yeah. in 98. So He played, um, actually played in Lake Elsinore for the Lake Okay, Elsinore, when so. back when they had, that was their affiliation. Yeah. And good okay. thing, because now we're at Lake Elsinore is here against the IE go. tonight. So, pitcher, starting pitchers. Uh, how many did you pick? I picked three starting pitchers okay. and then seventh, eighth, ninth. Yeah, okay. Oh, I, I didn't go 17th. I went 89th. But I got okay. three starting pitchers. I went Chuck Finley, um, drafted in the 15th round in 1984, made his debut May 29th, 1986, at 23 years old. I'm guessing you're, he's I, one of yours. He picked my, he's my number one, Chuck Finley. Okay. Uh, Jared Weaver. <laughs> That's my, my number two, one. Jared yeah. Weaver. Picked in the first round out of Long Beach, 12th pick overall in 04, made his debut in 06 as a 23-year-old. And who's your third one? I want to see if we got the third one. Mike Witt. He was... One I was really thinking about, um, I wasn't sure. Then I had to kind of, I went and looked up a lot of the Angels. Um, you know, there was a there was a few, but I picked Mike Witt because he got he's from Anaheim. Okay, yeah. Uh, draft uh, was the only pitcher in Angels history to throw a uh, perfect game, um, and he was the ace of the Angels staff in the mid '80s. There, when the Angels were going on the run in the '86 Western Division Championship. Um, yeah, he was a big curveball. He was also part of the uh, combined no-hitter with Mark Langston uh, in, I think, 90 or 91. I was at that game. It was a home opener that night, and I was there to watch that. So I picked Mike Witt. Yeah, then that, and again, like that was a guy that I was really close to picking. But then I started looking up like on war and stuff like that. And then you have like the Nolan Ryans, which you can't, you can't do. Mark Langston, you can't pick. Um you know, and then you have some closures and all stuff. John Lackey, I was kind of thinking about, but his, yeah, I thought about that too. But you know, I wasn't too. <laughs> yeah, so for personal reasons, um, but I'm gonna butcher his name. Uh, was it Frank Tanana? Tanana. Okay. I picked Frank Tanana, and I, and I started looking. I'm like, oh, this guy keeps on popping up on Tanana all th- and Ryan and Two Days of Crying. Yeah, so like all these, I'm looking at all these stats, and his name keeps on popping up. Maybe not at the top, but like top five in yeah. this category, top yeah. five in this. Category. I'm like, so looking him up, and yeah, I, I just looking at a, a guy that I didn't know ahead of time, and I just figured like, wow, look at all these great numbers, and right. you don't hear about him like you would hear about a Finley, a Weaver, or any of those other guys. But uh, drafted in '71, played in '73 at 20 years mm-hmm. old, drafted in the first round. But yeah, he's my third, my third pitcher. Cool. Who'd you go for? I picked three, so I'll pick. I'll tell you my seventh. My seventh inning guy. Guy is Scott Shields. Yeah, I, he was my third. My seventh inning guy yeah. uh, when we did the All Angels, the All Decade team. Rubber like arm, drafted out of you know, drafted by the Angels, came up to the system, spent his whole career with the Angels. Scott Shields is my seventh inning guy. Who is your eighth inning guy? Well, I think kind of again, kind of going back to what we were talking about with the All. Um, 
the all everything two thousand two thousand team. team I, I went with K Rod. Me I too. mean I don't I don't know how you can't. Um, you, there's no way. Yeah. Not only was he able to. Um, uh, what was it? Not only was he a big part of that Angels World Series being so young and everything like that, but he also uh, he, well, he has a record for the most saves, most saves in a single yeah. season. So, um, he was a uh, he was a uh, just a big crucial part of the 2002 World Series. Championship. Right. I mean that that energy. I mean, I personally like when I saw him come out. I liked because the energy he had when he was striking guys out, yeah. and he was kind of like over dramatic fall through and all that oh, stuff. Yeah, but that, but sure. definitely he was uh, my. One of the guys. So, is there even any question who the closer is? No, I don't think so. Yeah, Troy Percival, Riverside Rizzo, native, uh, all time high school, all time Angel leader in saves. Um, <laughs> I was at his uh, the game where he saved the street hundredth save. So, um, just a guy that came in and from the minute he stepped onto the mound, he was just a presence on the mound and the guy that closed out every uh, Angels win in the 2002 postseason. Right, drafted in the sixth round in 1990 as a catcher. As a catcher, and, and it's crazy how you see these guys move. Hoffman was a uh, wasn't Matt, uh, Trevor Hoffman like a shortstop or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, so it's crazy to see these guys who have great careers originally start out with a whole different position. It wasn't like he went from starter to catcher. He or started to uh, a closer. He went from catcher to closer. So that was pretty interesting. Cool, man. That was awesome. I love doing these. So if you guys have any ideas for another team, let us know. Hit us up. We'll work on that. So that's fun. I always like doing that. Uh, moving on now to the last segment of our show, we're going to move on to the email questions. Uh, you can email us anytime at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot them our way. First one sent by Mike Vigil. He said, wow, man, are we terrible. Six Sound o'clock. the horn. Are we terrible? I guess there's nothing you can do. The way the injury bug hit us this season, what did we expect? 100% you're right. I mean, uh, the, the lineups that we see every day are just an injury-riddled team, and, and you have to patch together uh, starting lineups every day. That's what you get. Yeah, and kind of like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you're going to – I mean, the great equalizer in any sport is injuries. They can't be planned, and they can't be prevented. Yeah. Um, kind of like with uh, what – Jeff Fletcher was saying in the interview earlier, hopefully now with, with the Angels getting younger, uh, the injuries will be less and less um, uh, frequent now that you're, you're getting players that you can't control um, how much they're doing. Because when you guys when you guys get guys uh, through free agency, I mean, the other teams probably use, use them up, and, and now you're kind of hoping and praying that nothing major happens. Yeah. Next email comes from Rob Lastings. He said, so, so as the days dwindle for the season – I start to look forward to next season. Is it needless to say that next year is very important? If we continue to be mediocre, does that make Trout want to leave anymore? Uh, who's going to be our manager? Who are they going to? Who are they looking to bring in to solidify the pitching staff, et cetera, et cetera? I feel like this offseason is going to be more exciting than the 2008 season. It could be. Um, maybe with more moves than last year i mean i still think everyone was really excited when they signed otani um i don't think for a single move you'll have that kind of excitement but i think this year's gonna be um maybe more uh quantity than quality compared to last year was quality over quantity because you had the upton Upton re-signing that everyone loved and the otani signing that was huge from not just angel fans but just baseball fans in general so i don't think we're gonna have anything like that but we might have more moves to um, definitely uh, cheer on and, and, and talk about. And the, f- the fact that we more than likely are going to have a new manager. Yeah, so it's going to be definitely crazy. That. Next email comes from Derek Trainer. He says, hey there, guys. Great show. 
So to say that this week has been a disaster would be an understatement. However, what do we expect with the lineups that we are putting out there? So at this point, what are you guys watching the games for? Love of the team, something to watch, watch some of the prospects, or anything else? I'm watching the games really to see how uh, how these really the prospects. I mean, the guys that we've been seeing, like Fletcher Ward, I'm interested in. September call-ups coming up here. You know, we're going right. to see who's kind of going to come up. But I, you know, for the prospects and, and a little bit for the love of the team, you know, and for the podcast. Yeah, to keep keep it, uh, informed. But yeah, I, I watch too because kind of like what we were saying earlier to. Uh, See how the young guys are going to do. You know, Fletcher has has cooled off. Um, Ward is still a little bit struggling a little bit, but um, that's cool to see those guys work through it and see what happens. And then too, with baseball, you never know what you're going to see. You don't know. You turn on a game and and you might see a cycle. You might turn on a game. You might see a walk off home run. Um, so that's always kind of keeps me entertained. Is what you what you don't know what you're going to see. Um, so I always try to make sure that I, I, I stay tuned for something like that because like like. You know, who would have known there was going to be a cycle in Major League Baseball last night? No mm. one would have. So you're always watching to maybe get some kind of history. Maybe it doesn't affect the season, but um, it's something that you could remember for, oh, I watched a game when this person did this and threw a no-hitter or a perfect game. And so that's always a reason to watch, too. Uh, last email comes from Lauren Codd, actually, last-minute email. It said, love the show, guys. How do you, Who do you guys see coming up with the September call-ups? Anyone interesting? Ah. Uh, Ooh. I'm looking at the 40 man roster right now, and there's no one really on there that's going to be like, yeah, I can't wait to see him. I mean, you have, you know, like, okay, Pools is out. Jose Fernandez is probably going to come up as and play that extra first baseman. I mean, um, you know, Hermosillo might make some uh, make an appearance. You might see him in the outfield quite a bit and see how he develops. See if he's able to get any of that kind of uh, any kind of run at the major league level. But, you know, this year I think they really are kind of trying to hold back some of the younger talent to, from being called up too early and start their clock right away, especially right now where um, there's no reason for it. There's no need for it. Um, you know, so you, I don't think you're going to see a, a Griffin Canning. Maybe, maybe not. I don't think you're going to see a Thais, um, especially with uh, already two first basemen. I mean, so uh, Calvert can play first also. So I, I don't know if there's going to be anyone that's really going to – um, be out there and you're going to be waiting for. But I definitely think um, come spring training, you're going to see a lot of names that the fans are going to recognize and they're really going to want to see be part of that 40-man and even maybe even the opening day uh, roster. Yeah, I don't see any prospects really um, that I'm super excited I mean, you, Yeah, you have yet. Fletcher, you have Ward. They're already there, they're already so they're going to continue playing, yeah. of course. But I'm um, actually kind of see uh, like a uh, guy that, we, that you guys saw here yesterday. I I'm, I'm, I'm want to see if uh, maybe Shoemaker, Shoemaker comes yeah, back. Maybe you get, yeah, and then Two, maybe it's not so much about the prospects coming back. Maybe it's the guys getting healthy. You're getting the shoemakers back probably. You are getting Otani back, coming back to uh, Otani Sundays are, are going to be a thing again. So he's pitching. So see how he's doing. Can he get the rookie of the year if he has like two or three great starts and, and make that interesting again? Um, you know, will will uh, Skaggs come back this year? Like stuff like that. I'll be interested to see in September where uh, these guys are actually going to start getting healthy again. All right. Well, that was the last of our emails, and that's going to wrap up our show for uh, this week. Uh, we want to thank all our sponsors again for the show. And uh, if you guys want to send us any emails, shoot them our way at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. And where can they find us on all the social medias, Daniel? Yeah. So, again, we are on Twitter and on Instagram with the same name, so it makes it easy. Halo underscore Haven. Follow us on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we post stuff all the time. Uh, especially now during the off season, we'll get updates, you know, um, 
again, Twitter and on Instagram, Halo underscore Haven, and email us here at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Questions, comments, anything, and make sure you subscribe. Uh, leave, a re- leave a review on, on iTunes and on uh, Google Play. All right. That's going to wrap up our show. We'll catch you guys next week. I am Johnny Mags. I am Dan Garcia. And you have just listened to another episode of the All Angels Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.